0: So good morning, everyone. Good morning. That's more like it. That's a bit better. I just noticed, um, when I was sitting down at the, uh, at the front here, the camera very, very strategically picks out the increasingly bald patch that I've got on the back of my head. Um, and I guess as um, my sort of retirement goes on, you become a, become a bit more aware of all these sorts of things to do with getting old. <gasps> You know, you, you, sort of, you sort of bend down to pick something up, and if you can remember what you went down there to do in the first place, you do it, and then you think, "Oh, well, what else can I do while I'm down here, you know? And then, of course, um, there's these, which I have to wear with increasing regularity. Um, absolutely necessity for about the last 10 years or so. Um, and you know when it's, your, your eyesight's getting bad. You, know, you go to a restaurant, they give you a, a menu, and it looks like it's sort of like a grey sheet of paper. And you put on your glasses and you realize yes, there is some text there. It's a light grey on a dark grey background, but you haven't got a hope to read it. And even with your glasses on, you can't read it because the lights are so low. So you end up getting your phone out with the torch and the camera thing, and you're trying to read the menu. Is it just me or I just get really frustrating? It's just you. Just me. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah getting old you know so that there's there's this and then of course there's there's hearing <laughs> yeah my wife tells me that I don't listen to a word she says well I think that's what she says anyway so yeah get, getting getting old losing facilities faculties mental abilities and some of you are already wondering what he's going on about now um, it reminds me of that, um, that song um, by a band called Little Feet. Anyone ever heard of, heard of it before? Old Folks Boogie? Anyone heard of that one? Now, just, just, just a word of warning here, uh, or rather, of comforting rather. Um, don't reach for your ear defenders and cotton wool. I'm not going to sing it to you. So I know there are people here of nervous disposition. Last time someone heard me sing, they were in counselling for not an hour long. But... Um, yeah, it goes something like this. You know, try and get a ride from your atrophy muscles and the nerves in your thigh just quiver and fizzle. And you know and you know that you're over the hill. When your mind makes promises, your body can't fill. <laughs> and it goes on in that sort of vein um, for the rest of the song. It's quite a jolly little number, but I recommend it to you. So what on earth is he on about this morning? Well, I want to tell you this morning that it's possible not to be able to hear or to see, and not be old. So let's turn in our Bibles to um, John 10, and you should be familiar with this passage by now because it's what we spent uh, three days looking at during Upfest. Um, But I want to bring out a couple more things from this passage. Um, So let's turn in your Bibles, or you'll see it in a minute on on the screen. Uh, John chapter 10, and starting to read at verse 1. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock and and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice." and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down on authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Okay, just a few words of explanation then, before we get into the particular things that I feel God wants to speak to us about this morning. Let's talk about opening uh, opening the eyes of the blind. If you look back in the last chapter you'll see that there is an account of the healing of a man who's blind. And he gets, gets it in the neck from the religious authorities. They have him up before the religious court and they grill him about who it was who healed him. Um, and he has, a, he has quite a good go at them, actually, and says, well, you know, you're supposed to be the teachers of Israel, which, in is fact, what the priests were. They were supposed to be the teachers of Israel and they're also supposed to know the difference between good and evil. That was their job in life. So there they are, um, having a go at this chap who's been healed of blindness. And following from that particular instance, we have this saying of Jesus. And as um, Matt rightly said, it's an extended metaphor, or we might call it a parable. And we've just read two of the three explanations that there are that Jesus gives um, about this particular parable. So he gives us two here, and there's a third explanation which we haven't read that carries on from verse 23. And it says very much the same thing as what the other two explanations were. The only thing is that John makes a remark there that this is at the time of dedication. Hanukkah this is the particular religious festival which happens in uh, December. So these sayings were said around about. The time of Hanukkah, which is the dedication of the t- temple, and so the Jews would have been thinking all about that dedication because it is um, it, the dedication was needed because of a guy called Antiochus Epiphanes. Um, probably you haven't heard of him, but he was one of the uh, kings, local kings, in fact, I think he was Greek originally, who invaded Israel, captured Jerusalem and defiled the temple by um, sacrificing a pig on the altar. So you can imagine that the Jews weren't particularly happy about this um, and a guy called Judas Maccabeus rose up and defeated Antiochus Epiphanes in about 167 BC and um, to commemorate the victory um, of Judas Maccabeus and the rededication of the temple meant that they'd have this festival. And uh, and Judas Maccabeus is not one of the kingly families. He wasn't the tribe of Judah or anything. He wasn't a priest. But he um, became king, and he had a dynasty of about 100 years of ruling the tribe of Israel and the people of Israel. And in fact, one of his um, distant relatives, one uh, one of the princesses of the house, if you like, of Judas Maccabeus, was married to Herod. So Herod was, if you like, bolstering his claim to the throne by claiming some sort of association to Judas Maccabeus. And Jesus says, these guys are thieves and robbers. They've come to give you death. I've come to give you life. So can you see now why the Jews would pick up stones and want to stone him? Pretty much dynamite. Okay, so the Jews were thinking about kingly houses, what is the, nat- the nature of the king. And Jesus is saying, well, actually, what you should be looking for is someone who's a shepherd. Which is a bit strange, really, because shepherds weren't, didn't have a very good reputation. So, you know, that, you know people, young people, you know about reps, don't you? Reputations. So she, uh, shepherds didn't have a particularly good reputation. Um, reputation. They, they, their testimony was not automatically acceptable. They had to, be, it had to be corroborated. A bit like women, really. They were the same position. Very sexist, very diff- difficult society. But that's the way things were in those days. So Jesus associates himself with a shepherd. And that's not unique. King David, after all, was a shepherd. And there are various psalms that talk about um, the God being the shepherd to his people so there, you know, if you spent a few minutes thinking about it you could perhaps get to what Jesus was saying but they didn't understand they didn't understand so Jesus had to explain it to them again and in fact he explained it to them two more times before they really understood what he was saying and that's when they picked up stones to stone him What I want, or what God wants you to know this morning, is that you are known. Did you see that in the passage? He knows each one by name. So we live in a world, in a society where we we're told, aren't we, we're the the chance product of chemical reactions over billions of years, and our lives are pretty much meaningless. And a lot of people live like that. But the Bible tells us very, very clearly indeed that we are known and loved by a loving Heavenly Father who knows us. Who knows us by name. Which is something pretty incredible because there are over 7 billion people in the world right now. That's a lot of remembering to do. But God knows each one. And did you get that little throwaway line that, Jesus said in the the passage that we read. He knows us in the same way as he knows the Father. Just think about that for a second. Does Jesus know his Father's heart intimately? Every thought in his head? Every desire of his heart? Does God the Father know Jesus the Son, every thought of his heart, every motivation. Yes, of course he does. And Jesus says that in the same way, I know you. And you can know me. Just leaving a pause there because the enormity of that statement, I hope, will start to sink in. That somehow or other, we can know the mind of Christ. He knows us intimately. And that's a bit worrying. Because I actually don't, I'm not a very good person sometimes. I do stuff wrong. I mess up at regular intervals. And he knows that. He knows every thought before it even enters my head. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on my head, which is much easier for him to count these days because there aren't many so many left. But he knows me in that detail. And do you know the wonder of it? He still loves me. He still loves me. So, the good news of the gospel this morning is that God knows you. Now, my question to you this morning is do you know him? Do you know him? The one, as he said here, who was going to lay down his life because he loves the sheep. Do you know him this morning? Do you know that wonderful embrace that he wants to give you? Do you know his love this morning in your, on your life? Do you know his hand of blessing? Have you recognized that in your life? Do you know him this morning? I don't mean facts and you know, information like I've given you about you know, dedication and Anuka and all that sort of stuff. I'm not talking about that stuff. I mean knowing someone as a person. I mean, I can tell you about my my wife. I can tell you lots of information about, about her. Her birthday, for instance, what she likes, what she doesn't like. And I could tell you lots of information about her, but you still wouldn't know her unless you spend some time with her. Because the claim of Jesus here is that we will know his voice we will hear his voice isn't that amazing that the god who made all the heavens I was looking up the sky the other night and seeing all the stars and the planets and there was that pictures of from the James Webb telescope you know all over the um, all over the news recently stunning pictures and the bible just says and he made the stars also it's like a throwaway line and there's this Massive creation, and yet he knows me, he calls me by name, and he wants me to have a relationship with him. How mind-blowing is that? And what's more, he talks, he speaks. He loves to speak to his children. He loves to have a relationship with them. Do you hear his voice? Do I hear his voice? See, so the reason I'm speaking you from this passage was when I think it was probably Nathan or Matt or someone was speaking on, at um, UpFest. Lord just said to me, they need to know that I love them and I, and I speak to them. You know, are they listening? Whoa, where did that come from? Where did that come from? So I knew I was going to speak even before Chrissy actually asked me to speak. Do you know that? Have you heard God speaking to you in that sort of way? Do you hear that small voice? Perhaps when someone like me is speaking, perhaps you hear God speaking to you during worship. Did you hear him when when we were worshipping just a bit earlier? Only you can answer that question. It's an important one though. Some people say to me, Oh well, this is ridiculous, you know, you're claiming that you can hear God. Well that would be the utmost in arrogance, wouldn't it? Unless it was something that God did and I didn't. Because it's God the one who's the one who wants to make contact, who wants to speak. And in fact the Bible tells us that he's speaking all the time. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? Because maybe you're not hearing his voice because you've not spent the time speaking to him or listening. See how many of our prayer meetings go along, or our prayer times even, go along the lines of, oh, um, God, do, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do the other? Ka-ching, pull the handle, and you wait to see what comes out of the slot. It's almost like a formula. That's not a relationship. How many, how many times do we rush into God's presence and say, well, I like that and that and that, and I, or could you fix this? Now, you try doing that to your spouse. <laughs> See what sort of response you'll get. Not a very good one, I might suggest. How often do we actually spend time in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the lover of our souls? It actually says here that he laid his life down for us because he loves us so much. Is he not worth the time? And the other thing about those sort of slot machine type prayers, as I call them, is they don't breed relationship. And when they don't actually work out in the way we want, we think, well, what's the point? Why should I keep on praying? See, our prayer, prayer times is not just a shopping list. It's building a relationship. And part of that building a relationship is that we listen. So I believe God would say to us this morning, Are you listening? Can you hear me? Now you might think, you might say to me, Okay, um, Andy, um, uh, I'd li- I used to be able to think of uh, um, and hear from God, um, but I've done some bad things in my life and I've sort of fallen away, and I don't think God wants to speak to me anymore. Well, you'd think that would be quite logical, wouldn't you? But I'm afraid it's wrong. Um, you only got to think two two simple Bible um, examples with Jonah actually running in the wrong uh, wrong direction. He did the exact opposite to what God said. But the paradox is that the further he ran away, the closer he got to God and the more God spoke to him. So I'm afraid being naughty, doing bad stuff, is not the way to not hear God's voice, if you see what I mean. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. I mean, you think of, of Cain, he murders his brother Abel and God comes to him and says, Satan crouches at you I am wanting to have um, mastery over you. And I'm putting this mark on your, on your head so that no one touches you. What? He's just murdered his brother. And yet God very graciously comes to him and speaks to him. So even if you've committed murder in this room, I'm afraid that doesn't disqualify you from hearing God's voice. Because Jesus says, doesn't he? He says, my sheep, hear my voice. It doesn't say, oh, the clever sheep, or the sheep that have gone to Bible college, or the sheep who follow all the rules. It doesn't say that. It just says, the sheep, hear my voice. So there's no qualification apart from knowing who the shepherd is. That's the only qualification, knowing the shepherd that's why I asked you a few minutes ago, do you know him? Do you know him? So, why is it then we might not hear his voice? There's a new thing on uh, that um, scientists say is a thing called attention deficit disorder. Have you come across that? So this, this thing is the fact that there's so many things now clamoring for our attention. You know, our social media feeds and you know, messages and texts and WhatsApps and all this sort of stuff. And it's demanding our attention. It's drawing us away. There's a constant barrage of information. I'm afraid the human brain is not really designed to, to do that. It filters stuff out. Think you, ladies, I know you might, you, you might think that you're the ones who can multitask. I'm afraid multitasking is a myth. Men are especially bad at it, but I'm afraid, ladies, even you can't do that. So neuroscientists tell us. Our brains are designed, really, to think about one thing at a time. Okay? So attention deficit disorder is because we're being bombarded with stuff. And maybe the reason why you can't hear God is because you're not dialing down and tuning out from all the other stuff that would clamor for our attention. So, dial in if you like to dial out (laughs) to be able to hear God. Do you know God has a phone number? You know, if if you're in an emergency, you pick up the phone and you dial 999, don't you? God's phone number is 333. Jeremiah 33 3. Call to me and I will answer you. And tell you wonderful things you do not know. That's God's phone number. 333. Call on him. Doesn't say you have to be in any particular state, place or anything to be able to call his name. Just call on him. But the trick is, wait for the reply. Yeah. Wait for the reply, because he will reply, maybe not on your timescale, but he will reply. And the reason for that? Because he loves us. He loves you. Now, if that's not good news, then I'm not sure what is. Can I tell you one discouraging thing, though? It's possible to hear his voice and attribute it to the enemy. That's what the priests did. They said, he's mad. He's demon-possessed. These were the very people who were supposed to be able to determine good from evil. That's why if you, had, <coughs> if you think, thought you had been clear, uh, healed of leprosy, you went and presented yourself to the priest The priest was supposed to be the arbiter between good and evil. And yet they're the people who've got the very thing the wrong way around. They've heard the words of the true Messiah, their shepherd, and they've attributed it to the enemy. How many times have you perhaps heard God and you thought, oh, that's just my imagination? I know I have. Trouble with that statement is it closes down the conversation. How about just asking him, "Well what do you mean, Lord?" See, see this, how, how possible it is to fall into that trap of attributing what Jesus says to the enemy or to your imagination or whatever it might be. It's a real danger. So the Bible says, don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test them. Well, can you you give me another example, Lord? Or can you you confirm your word word to me? Plenty of people in in the Bible did that. Ask God to confirm their words to it. See, I believe that the Lord this morning wants to confront us again with the fact that he is a loving Heavenly Father who delights to talk to his children. The thing is, are we listening? Are we listening?